This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR, brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. I'm John Purcell and I'm with you for the next half an hour or so. Coming up on the show this week, we continue to examine the options available for more sustainable living. Over the last number of weeks, we've spoken about electrical vehicles. We've heard from an award-winning green energy solutions company on how they're helping organisations change to a lower carbon footprint. And this week, we hear from Robert Goss, director at Solar Electric, who talks about solar energy in commercial and residential settings. Our Talking Shop feature is on episode four this week, and the conversations with Joe Brown of joebrown.com, Emma hogan Air of Airbrushed, and my co-host Nikki Hoyne of My Shining Armour and the Hero podcast will have no doubt provided some food for thought for many of you in business, or indeed those who have dreams of starting their own business. We'll also be chatting to Kieran Comerford, Head of Enterprise with Carlo Local Enterprise Office, on the plans for Local Enterprise Week, which kicks off this Monday. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. FDI Magazine, which is a publication of the prestigious Financial Times, has released its annual rankings for 2021, which happily showed Ireland's southeast region uh, as being a region with a clear foreign direct investment strategy of economic potential and a huge region to watch for the future. It's a great accolade for the southeast of Ireland. Joining me on the line is Alan Quirk, who's CEO of the Ireland Southeast Development Office. Good news, Alan. What does this mean for the southeast? Um, thanks, John. I suppose it, it is very good news. Um, probably in terms of what it means, it's probably just kind of showcases the potential of the region. And I think it will help in terms of inward investment and actually putting us on the map in terms of uh, itineraries for, for foreign investors. I thought you just go through what the award actually is. It might be useful as well. So um, as you say, it's the Financial Times. And every two years, their FDI intelligence magazine assesses and ranks the investment potential of regions and cities all the way across Europe. So for the 2020 and 2021 ranking, the Southeast ranked 10th overall for small regions. So that's regions less than 1.5 million, eight for economic potential, and then first for FDI strategy. Um, I suppose how, how it's judged, they, they basically get a, a look at over 500 locations across Europe, including 150 regions. They kind of have a team of statisticians that look at a wide range, wide range of, of data, and then they have a panel of experts that assess it in-house. So our office, the Ireland Southeast Development Office, which is a, a local authority initiative to try and promote and collaborate across the region, would have engaged with them and in terms of the application and worked through with them in, in terms of showcasing what we have. Mm. And I suppose the question is, why did we get it? And I think there's probably a lot of things that are going on that maybe people don't realise. They're probably are not fully aware of the kind of the positive potential of the region as well. I suppose the, what we would have tried to get across was the, the growth story of the region, that there has been a lot of new jobs created in the region. I think in particular the kind of value proposition that the region offers, in particular uh, compared to the likes of Dublin, 
So we're showing that it's 33% lower cost for businesses. And then for professionals, it's 40, 40% more disposable income for them. And then they, they could see themselves that there were strong investment stories throughout 2019, say in the likes of Kilkenny and Carlo, you had Amidas, Carn Group, MSD, Glombia, all kind of dynamic companies investing in the region and, and investing significantly in the region. And then I think that collaboration piece, which you kind of touched on, that FDI strategy piece is really important. I think what we're starting to do more so than, than ever before is trying to have that region of scale where people are collaborating, whether it's through the local authorities, the enterprise development agencies like the, the LEO offices or Enterprise Ireland or IDA, as well as the private sector that are starting to collaborate to a greater extent than ever before. And I think also we would have seen a lot of kind of work in kind of reports recently around that quality of life piece that's becoming more and more of a kind of uh, investment decision, uh, both for the for, both for investors themselves, but also for for staff. So I think the southeast really has that quality of life that we can really showcase, whether it's in terms of the connectivity piece, the shorter commutes, and then the lower cost of childcare, but also the, the likes of what's going on in, in Kilkenny week in week out of the cultural activities, stuff that really makes it an attractive place to live. I think that all kind of shone through in our ranking as well. Yeah, so it's all about the future. It's a, it's a coming region for the future. How optimistic are you that this potential will be turned into reality? And can we look forward to it getting better and better? You mentioned 2019 being a pretty positive year for announcements. Can we look forward to more and more of them? Yeah, well, that, that would be the hope, of course. Um, I think it's a good starting point. I think we can try, try and showcase that. Um, like we, we can't predict the future but definitely I think as you said 2019 was a positive year so hopefully we can build on that in 2020 and going forward I think we'll need a lot of support externally from, from all agencies and then also internally ourselves to try and reach out to our diaspora I think there's a lot of people in Kilkenny and Carlow who are moved away from the region but to be able to showcase that there are both jobs for them and then for key decision makers and companies to be able to say look there's a, a real value proposition for you to have a part or some of your business in the likes of the southeast. Thanks Alan that was Alan Quirk their director of Ireland South East on the recent FDI rankings published by the Financial Times. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell. Now, at the start of the year, we said we were going to talk about the whole issue of climate change, efficient use of energy, and so on from a business point of view. And we've done that talking to a number of interesting people and about a number of interesting initiatives uh, in that whole space since the turn of the year. And we're going to continue this week. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Robert Goss, who's the director of Solar Electric Ireland. Robert, you're very welcome to the bottom line. Tell us a bit about yourself and about Solar Electric Ireland. Well, John, it's it's a story about... uh, for me, I'm married to Helen. She's from Freshford. So originally, I, I came over from uh, from the UK partly because of that reason and partly to set up uh, this business together with Tom Foley, uh, who's a Wexford man. So that's my, my reason for being here. We live down in Thomastown, uh, where, of course, we have solar PV on our house. Yeah. And um, the whole thing of solar... Uh, 
people originally, or to my memory, would be kind of going, ah, solar power in Ireland, sure, we get very little sun. A number of preconceptions there which are wrong. You don't need to be in the Costa del Sol to have viable solar energy generated. No, we have a a very high irradiance figure uh, around Kilkenny, uh, down to Rosslare, across to Cork and and up to Dublin. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, certainly as good as the south of Germany, where a lot of this solar PV technology comes from. Yeah, and um, it's it's an industry, I would imagine, that's on the crest of a wave because with the climate energy crisis, the cost of conventional uh, power generation and so on, it's, it's a business, I would imagine, that's very much on the moment. How is business for you? It's certainly a question with with companies. They're coming to us and saying they're going to invest in solar PV. It's a question of when, not if now, which is great. Uh, And then businesses have a certain sweet spot. So, for example, we've recently done Stafford's Bakery in Gorey. And that's a business which is a a seven-day-a-week business uh, and uh, has a huge electricity demand across those seven days a week. So that would be, if you like, a kind of no-brainer for solar PV. The same for O'Shea's down in Pilltown, a big refrigerated site storing a lot of potatoes and keeping them cold through the summer months. So again, the solar PV very much matches their demand. So seven-day-a-week businesses are really moving ahead with, uh, with solar. And uh, what's the process or, or the pipeline that you typically go through with the business? Um, how would people know what to be asking themselves before they actually make contact with you to find out whether it's a, an option for their business? Okay, well, there's a couple of different ways. Uh, one would be to contact 3CEA, the local uh, uh, energy agency run by P- Paddy Phelan, uh, and they would come out and do an audit of your, your, your place and give you all sorts of alternatives for uh, improving your lighting. There may be PV, insulation, other things that you can do. Or you can come to us direct uh, and give us a call in, in our office, uh, and we would then talk you through what are you paying for your electricity? How much electricity you're using? When are you using that electricity during the day? And are you a five or seven day a week or six day a week business? And from that, we can figure out uh, how long you, it will be before you get a ret- your return on investment for solar PV. And is it a pretty um, easy calculation to make in a case like that? Yeah, it's, it's really straightforward because we know from our experience of places like O'Shea's exactly how many kilowatts of electricity you'll make per year from your installation. So that's that's known by example, like O'Shea's, but also from the computer simulations that we have. So we know what you're going to make. We know the price of electricity. You tell us what you're paying for your daytime electricity. So you can very f- quickly figure out, yes, for me, it gives me a six-year payback. Uh, you're someone in the farming industry might get a TAMS grant. It might give them a four-year payback. Somebody in another sector to might get a uh, some other kind of granting, so there's we can figure it out very in a very straightforward way. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you mentioned grants, and uh, the powers that be are very keen for people to go towards sustainable energy. Are there a range of grants available, or, or what would the typical path towards getting a grant be for a, a small to medium-sized business? Yeah, so the, we've just been through a, a grant round with a thing called the Communities Grant, where. Uh, Although it, sounds, it says communities grant, it's also available for business. And there, a 30% grant is available for SEAI, from the SEAI for qualifying uh, projects. That's, so that's Sustainable that's, Energy Authority of that's, Ireland. That's exactly right, yeah. So that's, that's one route. Um, there's always the chance to get uh, accelerated capital allowance. So you can always write off the investment in uh, renewable energy products 
in one year. So that's also a benefit for, for companies. Um, and then there are some other grants which are sometimes available like LEADER and, and, and other things out there. And that's a, a very big um, selling point because, of course, you just pay full whack for your mains generated electricity from the grid. Yeah, well, that's right. So that's what you're offsetting. Uh, and if you're spending, if, if electricity prices or electricity costs are significant for you in your business, for example, if you're growing mushrooms, if, you're, if you've got a, a grinding or you're, you're somehow doing a processing uh, business, any of those things which, which use a lot of electricity or you've got a cold room or cold store, for those people, electricity is one of their really big line items uh, in their P&L. And, and, and solving it with, with uh, PV is, a, is easy. Yeah, you mentioned a kind of a five, six, seven year return on investment to, on the capital investment uh, timeline. How long does the equipment last? So is it, is, it, is it likely that you'll get a few years of free electricity, so to speak, or, or does it need constantly to be upgraded and so on? Well, the good thing about solar PV and, and part of the reason why I got into the, the industry in 2010 is that it's very straightforward technically. The products have got a 25-year warranty on the panels uh, and there's a significant 5 or 10-year warranty on the inverters and other components. So it's a long-lasting product and really uh, there's very little to go wrong. So it's a low-maintenance, low-cost-of-running uh, solution. So you could actually generate your own electricity, pay for the, the, the plant, I suppose, for want of a better word, after five or six years, and then thereafter you have a reasonable vista into the future where your electricity costs are greatly reduced, if not eliminated. Well, well that's right. So you're cutting your electricity costs and you are hedge, hedging against future electricity price rises because we would expect with carbon taxes uh, and just the natural way of electricity prices going up that you'll be offsetting a greater price in the future. Uh, sounds great. It's obvious driving around the countryside and even in urban areas, you see more um, solar panels on domestic buildings. Is is it? Um, are you pleased with the take up among businesses? We are. We are pleased with the take up. It's so far. It's been uh, organisations which have had a commitment to to making some sort of change towards climate change or people with this this really big seven day a week demand but it's becoming more normal retailers uh, are certainly beginning to look at it the supermarkets are looking at it um, yeah it's it's becoming uh, the normal thing for people to look at whether they're refurbishing a building whether they're perhaps they're looking at buying some electric cars and putting charging points in their car parks at the same time they're thinking okay well, i've got a charging point let's charge up with real green electricity and thinking of pv at the same time Okay, finally, Robert, you mentioned Three Counties Energy Agency as a, as a route uh, to contact you. But if people want to contact you directly, what's the best place to go? Just call us on 053-925-6804 or go to solarelectric.ie. Solarelectric.ie. That's Robert Goss, who's Director of Solar Electric uh, Ireland, a business locally who are playing their part in a very positive energy use story. Thanks for joining us in the studio, Robert. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. Local Enterprise Week 2020 kicks off on Monday next. And joining me now is Kieran Comfort, Head of Enterprise with Carlo Local Enterprise Office, to tell us more about it. Kieran, what's Local Enterprise Week all about and what's happening this year? Uh, local Enterprise Week is a national initiative by the Local Enterprise Office. 
and it's there to focus on the various supports available at your local level by showcasing a number of events. So in each county across the country, there is 5, 6, 10, 20 events based on different requirements of the business community and really it's about those events really um, helping people to make it happen in their business. So our events focus on lean, productivity, finance, some student programmes and things like that. So it's really to give people a sampler taste of what they can get from their local enterprise all year round. And uh, a wide range of audiences from schools to people in business to people thinking about business. Is that an accurate characterisation? Oh, indeed, indeed. And then if I look at our own schedule next week, there's the judging of our student enterprise programme. We've our National Enterprise Awards on Monday. We've a, a whole programme around marketing for age friendliness on Monday afternoon. We've a trade mission to uh, London on Tuesday and Wednesday with the hospitality trade. We have a Leave for Micro programme. We have a productivity programme. We have a profit programme. And uh, also we have uh, trading online events as well. So it's a sample of everything we do. And I suppose they're designed as a taster format. So you, you get the experience that you're an enterprise week, but also you get to figure out, well, on the long term, how the local enterprise office can help your business. Yeah, over the weeks we've been talking about the shape of the economy. And a couple of weeks ago I was talking to Jim Power. I mean, we've basically hovering around full employment things uh, are, seem pretty good but a lot of uncertainty how's the environment for small and medium sized businesses in your view yeah well we, we in our experience there's uh, um, manufacturing international traded services a lot of them are still investing they do have a challenge around talent uh, they do have a, a challenge and it is a scaling challenge obviously there's uncertainty in the international marketplace which obviously the, the, the coronavirus and the political situation and things like that so like SMEs buy into that, their consumers buy into that. So what we're seeing is definitely in the manufacturing international side, companies are still expanding, they're still looking at opportunities broad. On the retailing side, we're seeing more people look more effectively at the online space and how do they have that dual kind of online, offline experience. And the hospitality trade, we're very much looking at people kind of converting into more experience-based hospitality. So I think if people are investing in their businesses now, we have a lot more people engaging in development programs uh, is what we're seeing. Uh, that they're, they're, they're keen to change, they're keen to basically say, well, how can we do things better for our business, whether it be internally from a profit viewpoint or a lean viewpoint, or externally from the point of view of their customer and the experience their customer gets. Yeah, now a huge, um, largely untapped market that we often hear about is the older uh, consumer, and you're running an event on developing an age-friendly marketing and digital strategy. Is, do you share my view that that's a largely untapped market? Yeah, I think from a digital viewpoint, a lot of people don't understand... Uh, the millennial generation is obviously, you know, they're very good at social media and they have a certain language and, and way of doing it. But when you look at companies and how they're reaching out to older market, and a lot of older individuals are now on those mediums, well, actually, how do you design content that's suitable for that marketplace? Uh, so if you look at things like um, retail, if you look at things like restaurants, if you look like things, businesses like that, you know, how are they appealing to people? Should they have video content as opposed to text content? You know, it's all about this. And Sharon Guinnessy, who's a wonderful trainer from Wexford, uh, she's going to be giving a three-hour tips and talk about it. So at the end of it, you get all the tools to say, listen, this is how I should reach out to this target market. Uh, this is how I shouldn't reach out to it as well, you know? Yeah, speaking of reaching out, um, you mentioned earlier about the educational trade mission to London. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, we're currently involved in an EU-funded programme called Catalyst. And as part of it, we work with food, drink and life sciences companies. So uh, hotel, restaurants and catering innovation shows on the London Excel. We have seven hotels and restaurants from Carlo attending it. Uh, and th- what we find with those seminars abroad is like there's 300, there's 300 seminars on. So if you're, if you're a small business, to go to one place where A, you can get contacts in the context of developing your business, but B, can also listen to international experts 
So as part of our programme every year, we pick certain sectors to do that with. So this year, as I said, hospitality and catering. In April, for example, we're going to Mac with engineering companies, which is a robotics and engineering show. So like, it's a great focus for small companies getting them off the island and getting really exposed to how, firstly, the international markets work, but also how those international contacts can work that help, help to drive the business forward also. Okay, Kieran, thanks very much. That's Kieran Comerford from the Local Enterprise Office in Carlow telling us about Local Enterprise Week, which takes place across Carlow and Kilkenny and indeed throughout the country in the next week. And for a full list of events taking place in both Carlow and Kilkenny, check out your Local Enterprise Office website. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. And this is the segment that we call Talking Shop. And I'm joined in studio by my co-presenter, Nikki Hoyne. Nikki, bring people who've been unfortunate enough to miss the last three weeks uh, up to date about where we're at. So we're talking shop here. Um, I'm talking about like why we start businesses and we spoke about confidence and self-belief and the fire in your belly. And then last week we spoke about resilience and dealing with setbacks and challenges and how to pick yourself up and like how we do that. And this week we're going to talk about knowing when to kind of put something on hold or stop it or, you know, walk away essentially from a project or a business. Um, So girls, have you kind of had a moment where you've gone, okay, this is not, you know, this is not working and, 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 you know, taking that step back and. Yeah, I think you have to. I I think, um, and it's, it's something that I, I feel really um, moved by when people talk about, oh, you know, because uh, a lot of people say to me through difficult times, oh, you're you going to close, you know, and yeah. a, a family member says that to me every now and again, you know, when I have a really difficult situation or whatever. Mm. And what are you doing it all for? And are you going to close? And I just I suppose uh, like it's it's important to acknowledge that things go wrong. Mm. Um, and I suppose it comes back to your self-belief and your confidence and your resilience. But there's definitely things that happen that you have to say, do you know what, that's just not working and I need to, to find a different yeah. approach. Um, but I think just finishing or, or closing yeah. down isn't something that is in my vocabulary. Mm. Um, so... I just find it, I suppose, it's so negative to think yeah, about. Yeah, it is. But Closing I, or I, finishing. Yeah. And it's I, just a, it's a process, yeah. you know, like success for me isn't an end point. Yeah. You know, it's something that's, it's in my everyday. It's mm-hmm. a success to have 45 women choose to come into my business. Yeah. So, um, you know, on a daily basis. So success is transient and ebbs mm. and flows. And I just don't think there is an end point for me. Mm. I but think. at the same time, Emma, l- last week, I think we talked about how a big breakthrough in your understanding was when you realised that if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find another room. There is an, mm. an element of kind of yeah. maybe walking away is the wrong word, but relinquishing a bit of yeah. power when your business yeah. gets to a certain stage. I feel like you have to keep Absolutely. your passion and you have to be happy about what you're doing. And I think sometimes people will keep going when 
when they've lost the love for it, they may be like they're paying the wages, they're paying the bills, but actually they're getting up every morning and dreading it. And I think, you know... I aspire to be a serial entrepreneur. I want to have had about like, you know, five different businesses. And I think if the time ever came that I looked at, you know, my shedding armor, or, you know, something, something else I was working on and I was like, do you know what, I'm dying to do this, but I'm back here because I can't just make a decision on it. Um, I think there's like a choosing happiness and choosing your passion. I think there's no... Like some people might feel like, oh, I can't lose face or I I, I worked so hard at this, you know, and sometimes the best thing to do is to go, you know what, there could be greater things out there and you've learned so much and you've had so much experience that why not, you know, move on to the other thing Mm. and... Mm. Because that's, you know, you know, it's it may be your measure of what's successful yeah. and what someone else's measure of mm-hmm. success could be completely different. And I yeah. think as entrepreneurs or you know, business owners, I think you as, as you were saying in an in a earlier episode of that, you know, you think differently. Mm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I suppose knowing when to walk away is different in my business. Yeah. I, I make products. Yeah. So yeah. knowing when to walk away. Um, first of all. I suppose no one to walk away to stop making the products really? first of all yeah. I would have made the products and I still sort of do but given the leadership to someone yeah. else no one went to walk away from your accounts giving it handing it over yeah. to your accountant mm. that takes so or long from to like deal with. a store so say you know you have made a decision like that you're going to focus on certain stores and that means you kind of have to cut out of maybe if it's independence or maybe it's mm. some bigger store that's oh, taken absolutely. margin or something yeah, like I've that, that and have to sit yeah, down and go I've right I need to, you are yeah. amazing great exposure for my brand but I need to walk yeah. away from that you yeah know? I had to do that I had to yeah. do that and it was hard but um, I suppose walking away as well if like we would have learned if a product doesn't work you might mm. love the product mm. everyone loads of people might love using it yeah but if the product's not selling on the shelf get rid of it. Mm. That's an interesting mixture because we've talked over the previous um, weeks about dogged belief and mm. passion and so on but there needs yeah. to be a well, you need the, to, the rationality of this rationality. ain't working for me whether it's in terms of sales or in terms yeah. of the return it, well, or fill you're getting out of it. It's never really happened to me yet thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but if a product's not selling we were always told it's taking off shelf space. Yeah. It's not selling get rid of it mm. I think you, you know, learn that you, you learn over the years don't you you, you learn that and we, we backtrack mm. we still go back to our first product which is the solid perfumes even our cleansing balm yeah. like we're still looking at our packaging you have to start at the beginning yeah. every six months mm. you have to start at your first the product the vision for your brand and you work again yeah. you have to keep well, going I've back had to the start because yeah. I might say oh the perfume's selling that's great that's brilliant yeah. but I could do better with that Mm. there could be changes in the packaging there could be something else you'll always go yeah. back to where you started and you'll you'll build on mm. that whereas I've had products you know, that were like best sellers and I've had ones where like I don't know if people remember like we did these mugs and they were had initials on them mm. and everyone went insane for them but there was actually very little margin on them and they were everywhere then and everyone had them but actually when I looked at it I was like these don't make me any money and I, I caught them and people were where are they and where can I get them and you know and they were gone um, and then other people were stocking them like the brand the Bombay Duck gave them to everyone but it was funny to have to make that decision when it was something that was bringing customers It you know it brought people people came looking for website. it mm-hmm. and it, it kind of it pushed the brand forward and then there are other products that you know 
other stores would have been watching what I was doing because I was out there finding new things. That's what I was all about. But there were ele- then I would see them, you know, light boxes, for example, done stores started doing them, yeah. exact same ones. And at half the price, because obviously economies of scale, they could buy thousands, hundreds, yeah. whatever yeah. they were buying of them. And I had to, I was like, right, that's cool now. And I need to stop that, sell through what we have because they're going to be everywhere. And then they were everywhere. And then you could see them being marked down and going on sale because mm-hmm. actually the trend, I was lucky in that I could spot so that. But yeah. if I didn't get out of it and I would think, oh, light boxes or whatever sells so well, I'll just yeah. keep doing that. A, but it's not making margin. To understanding margins yeah. and, and understanding yeah. business. Yeah. Do you know that and it's looking, all fine yeah. to be popular and mm. to, you know, to have this that's, this product mm. that's being shared on Instagram and I got it in, in my yeah. shining armour. But at the end of that's the day... That's just being a busy fool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. And there, yeah. it was, it was an element. It was an element to that, and I think mm. it was funny because we get emails and messages. Where, what, da, 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 and it was just like, no, they're, they're gone. gone. And even, being brave and being yeah, and by even that. now, you know, we do up to Christmas. We'll stock the faux fur, and I just never buy it in January. And we'll get so many emails about a certain one, and please, please, and it's like no, because you'll end up. You have to make that call. You have yeah. to say no, yeah. like. You know, you have to, but uh, it can be hard to do because essentially, yeah. it's a business you're yeah. running. Yeah, that's what I look at. Yeah. It's a business. At the end, of yeah. it's not a not a hobby. Not a hobby. No. It's not working. No. Not if selling. it's a hobby, like <laughs> if, if it's an expensive hobby, <laughs> yeah. So keep Make your eye on the bottom line. That seems bottom to be absolutely. The, the, yeah. This is my favourite line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're a good one, uh, Emma, for the old uh, aphorisms or adages oh, yeah. or uh, yeah. whatever. What's your number one? Oh God, you're putting me on. The I'll spot put you on there. the spot. Well, maybe we'll take a tour at the table while, like, like just pieces of advice that you've been given that kind of sum up the whole thing that you need. What about you, Nikki? Putting I, you on the spot. I have a few little mantras. I'm like, do you, if you're brave enough to own your own business and start your own business, be brave enough to have your own ideas. I think in my field as an online Instagram business, I think 2015, 2016, there were so many people who set up a similar business or saw, oh my God, I have a computer in my pocket, I can do whatever, but you especially in Ireland it's a small you know small country and there's only so much market and so many people have closed a similar business to mine for that very reason as in they weren't having their own ideas they were looking at what other people were doing and if you're just being second second best to someone else what's the point what about you Joe any um, standout pieces of advice just yeah be original if you're going to launch something, launch this, launch something that nobody else has on the market. Um, yeah, I suppose don't copy people because you know it'll only be a trend. Mm. Um, definitely be original. Uh, offer the best customer service you can because things will go wrong at the start. Believe me, I could write a book on things. They'll go wrong at the end too, Joe. But things go wrong. And all, all you lot, can do yeah. is give the best customer service. Um, I suppose the biggest thing we would have learned in the last, <clears throat> I suppose, a year and a half is that we were we're like we're in 120 stores in Ireland, which is amazing. We're in the top stores, mm. but the biggest key is visiting those stores, and that's the our relationships relationship mm. with the stores. Like you can be in. 5,000 stores but if you don't look after those stores you're going to be a nun and that's yeah. the biggest thing we would have learned mm. and that's what's kept the business going yeah, yeah. It's building relationships with the customers 
Yeah. Emma, what about yourself now? Yeah, What's your I, I, pity I do, piece of I advice? I absolutely agree. And I suppose like the core of my business has always been customer service. Um, and like we would, we I had to write this down because I always get this backwards, but we would definitely with staff, we'd be saying sell the problem you solve and not the product. So we would always start off with, you know, having really in-depth consultations with our clients, you know, so that mm-hmm. it's not a case of it's there's not a hard sell. Like we were talking the other night about oh, what sales strategies that I employ in 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 work and I was like it all begins with honesty Um, and it all begins with building a rapport with the client Mm. so that she trusts that we have her best interests at heart you know so um, that's always been the core of my business I really do believe that like like you Joe I think my business has been growing for seven years because we've developed really fantastic relationships Mm. with the people who choose to come through the doors Um, so yeah that's my little little nugget. Well, that's a, probably a great uh, note on which to end. We've, believe it or not, come to the end of the last of our four chats in this particular version of Talking Shop. Um, we've been joined by Joe Brown of joebrown.com and Emma Eyre of Airbrushed Beauty and Skin Clinic, which is located in William Street in Kilkenny. My co-host over the last number of weeks has been Nikki Hoyne from My Shining Armour and also the hero podcast. It's been great having the chats as they say, Nikki, hasn't it? It's been fantastic. Love the chats and I hope, I think there's loads of nuggets there and it's just been really interesting, thought-provoking and I hope that you know, there's, it's it's inspired people and they've got insight on what it's really like and if you want to start a business, absolutely go for it. Why not? Never a better day than right now to start. Absolutely. And look, we'll be back for more uh, Talking Shop next week. Um, if you want to listen to any of this again, you can find it on our podcast channel. That's Casey Law Bottom Line. I'd like to thank our guests, uh, Joe Brown from joebrown.com and Emma Eyre from the Airbrushed Beauty and Skin Clinic, which, as I said, is in William Street in Kilkenny. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line, unfortunately. We'll be back next Saturday just after 9am. And don't forget, you can listen back to this episode or indeed any episode of The Bottom Line on our KCLR Bottom Line podcast, which is available across a range of platforms. All you've got to do is just search for Bottom Line KCLR. Thanks to all our guests this week. Alan Quirk, Director of Ireland Southeast, Robert Goss, Director with Solar Electric, Kieran Comerford, Head of Enterprise, Carlo Local Enterprise Office, and to the guests of Talking Shop over the last four weeks, Joe Brown of joebrown.com and Emma Hogan, Air of Airbrushed, and my Talking Shop co-host, Nikki Hoyne of My Shining Armour and the Hero Podcast. We'll be back next Saturday just after nine for more stories for and about business. If you'd like to contact the program, you can email the bottom line at kclr96fm.com. Thanks to John Keane on sound editing and Deirdre Drummy who produced. Until we speak again, enjoy the weekend and have a good week. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie